You know, 16 years ago, I wanted to be T.D. Jakes. And um, man, I, I did. I, I, and Donovan would encourage me because he would, he would get on that keyboard and, and it would just make me just go crazy. I'd, I'd preach and, and do my best to, you know, I, you know do whatever T.D. Jakes did. And I, he has a Hammond organ and I had Donovan on a keyboard. And, uh, but isn't it good to have Donovan and Jaron and Ethan with us today? A great man of God. I don't know how he's reading the Bible because he forgot this Bible at our church about two years ago. And I've been preaching out of it ever since. And um, I'm... <laughs> Amazon. <laughs> and, I, you know, I don't know if he was just listening to the radio for Scripture or what. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to give this back to him today. I kind of hate to, to lose this friend of mine that I've had. But I'm going to give that back to him today. But I want to talk today. Donovan will play for just a little bit. I want to talk about freedom, what it means to be free. Because most of us in this room, we have a concept of freedom. But I'm asking you, do you really live free? There's a difference between knowing the definition and experience and the application of freedom in our lives. This coming Wednesday, we celebrate the 4th of July and our independence from the tyranny of the King of England. We became a nation that would celebrate freedom. And this is one of the things that make us different from other nations of the world. We would celebrate that freedom both corporately and individually. That means that we as Americans have individual rights. We have individual freedoms. Freedom is rarely, if ever, just given or handed over. It has to be something that's possessed or earned. Most of the time, the earning of freedom is demonstrated by the valor of the men and women that, that take on battlefields, shed blood, and, and actually pay the ultimate price for you to be free. But I want to ask you, once again, you know where you live, and you know what you have access to, but are you truly free? And I'm going to take a passage out of John chapter 8 this morning that Jesus is going to address freedom in two different depths. He is going to say you have the capacity to live free. But then there's another capacity with a stipulation that can take the contagious nature of freedom and make you free indeed. So would you join me in prayer this morning before we read scripture today. Father, today I thank you for my friends that are here. I thank you for my congregation, my church family, that many of them have been walking with Michelle and I for 16 years. But Father, for 16 years, we've been telling people, don't come here because of us. Come here because you sense that there's a gathering of people that fellowship in your presence and that in your presence is the provision for all of our lives, including my own. I ask you to take the authority of your word and make it real and make it evident and applicable to David Pleasant, as well as every other person sitting under the sound of the gospel. I ask for you to take the authority of that word and you do something supernatural with it. Father, if they're here and they need a healing, be a healer. If they're here and they need a savior, be the savior. If you're here, if they're here and they're broken, be the one that can make them whole. 
if they are here and they need to hear the authority of your word for encouragement, be the encourager. But God, most of all, make yourself evident to every man, woman, boy, and girl under the sound of my voice. Let them see beyond a sermon and let them experience the fellowship of an almighty God. And I give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Let's start with this belief system on what freedom is. You know, a lot of times we, we consider ourselves to be free, but yet there's things that have hold on us that don't let us experience the freedom that we deserve or has been purchased for us. There are people living within the boundaries of the United States of America that live bound. Many of them within our five mile radius. I remember 16 years ago, before I actually come to be the senior pastor of Covenant, I actually come to visit a couple months before, and I got all T.D. Jakes in one of my sermons, and I was marching around in Marshall Array, and I said, where's the worst neighborhood in town? They said, you're here. <laughs> and what they were referring to was the corridor of Palm Beach Boulevard where our sanctuary sat. And there were times where we found things that are indescribable uh, on the campus of our church. But what they were saying is, is that there's a people that, that are close to this sanctuary that live in the freest country on earth, but yet they walk around bound, challenged in their freedoms. See, they were referring to that there's areas known in our community for being strongholds for drugs and alcoholism and, and those things can bind you and tell you when to get up and when to lay down and tell you who to associate with and who not to associate with. They can actually determine the level of character that you can live in at the present moment. <coughs> those are the things that I'm trying to make definition of. Is that they live in a free country, but yet they live bound. Some people say, you know, Pastor, you know, let me read the definition of freedom and we'll talk about choice for a moment. It says freedom is the state of being free or at liberty rather than in confinement or under physical restraint. Exemption from external control, interference, regulation, power to determine one's actions without restraints. See, you have the right as being in a free nation to make any choice you want, but don't negate the fact that some of your choices come with consequences. Just because you have the freedom to choose it doesn't mean that it's right and will not be enforced with discipline. It doesn't matter how many people agree with you. If we today in totality agree that we're going to leave this place and go rob the nearest bank, I promise you our decision will come with consequences. You have the freedom to choose it, but you better be ready to pay the price after it. And I'm asking us for a moment, what is it about this thing? Because most of us have a belief, a strong belief, and most of us have a concept of what it means to live free. But Jesus is, is teaching on freedom, literally takes us in a direction that really takes your soul and gives you opportunity to live once and for all free indeed. And what does it mean to be free? Well, Jesus in John chapter 8, let's read the text today. And I'm going to...
do my best to just read it up there on the screen with you. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing of my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And He and he who sent me is with me, and he has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And as he was saying these things, many believed in him. I want you to look up, put that back up there for just a moment. I want you to look at your neighbor and notice and speak to them. Say, he said something and many believed. Okay, let's continue. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word and you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Here's this word free. Continue. And they answered him, we are offsprings of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say we will become free? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. And the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free. Let's try that one more time. If the son shall set you free, you will be free indeed. Let's pray one more time. Father, give us the wisdom of your word. Allow the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be upon us and give us grace to see your works manifested in this congregation. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. He is telling them freedom is connected to my identity. That's how he's starting out this message that he's talking. And he's telling them, if you believe in who I am, and what he was in reference to is he was saying, if you believe that I am the Messiah sent from the Father, then you can take that identity of whom I am and believe in that system that will change everything about your current life. He is now preaching to Orthodox Jews that by the time that he is completed, they are going to begin a journey of believing. Remember what I, when I stopped in the middle of the text and I had you tell your neighbor, many heard the words that he was saying and they began to believe. And he said to them, if you believe that I am the Son of God, that I am the Messiah, it will bring you a level of freedom that will be so contagious that you will want to move to another place, not just being free, but being free indeed. Most of us experience something called freedom. It is when the moment that we identify with the nature of who Christ really is. He's the Son of God, the Messiah. He's the Savior of the world, paying a price and a ransom that I could not pay for myself. And all of a sudden, He tells them a stipulation. We hate when the Bible gives us stipulations. Especially when we have the context of freedom, because we really don't want any stipulations. We want to be free to do whatever we want. And Jesus says, well, you can be free with this identity, but it's going to get challenging. Because in just a little bit, I'm going to not do what you think I should do and be who you think I should be. You think the Messiah is going to be a general that's going to come and liberate you from Roman domination. But I'm going to be a savior that's meek as a lamb, but mighty as a lion. And I'm going to go to a cross and I'm going to rid the bondages of the tyranny, not from the domination of the Roman Empire. I'm going to rid you of the tyranny of the law of sin and death. And you're going to get confused and you're going to have to decide, are you going to continue? The Bible in the text says, if you'll abide in my word. Now, here's where it gets complicated. He was not, he was not only referencing scripture, but he was referencing more importantly what he had just communicated to them. 
He wasn't telling them, run to your synagogue and grab the scroll of Isaiah and once again read the scroll of Isaiah. He was telling them, take the scroll of Isaiah as the knowledge of the proclamation of a Christ or a Messiah that was yet to come and realize you have heard from my own lips, I am he. So you don't have to have the prophecy that he's coming anymore. I am here. And if you believe in that system and abide, well, I, I, I kind of got kind of struggled and, and kind of thought that that word abide had some importance. So I looked up the definition and in the Greek it means uh, to abide means to stand firm, stay in place or to tarry. And he's saying you've come to a knowledge of, of me being the Messiah, but it has brought you freedom, but you haven't experienced the freedom I've intended for you. You've been set free just a little bit, but I can make you free indeed, but you're going to have to stick with this thing. Continuance. You're going to have to stand pat, stay firm, stay in place, tarry. Jesus was addressing the reality of a new belief system that may come with some challenges. And he's telling them, if you take that identity of who I am and carry it forth, it's going to make you free indeed. But you've got to stand the course. You've got to stay the course. You've got to stand firm. You've got to continue. Here's something that if you tweet out or, or you highlight or you take notes, this is a good place to take a note. Good leaders have to have endurance to continue in something over time long enough for others to have confidence to follow. I'm going to say that again. Good leaders have to have endurance and continue in something over time long enough for others to have confidence to follow. You say, well, pastor, what in the world does that even mean? Let's pretend for a moment that everybody in this room is so affluent that we could all hire chauffeurs. You know, those people that drive you around. You know, that you just get in the car and you call whatever that person is by name and you say, take me wherever I want to go. I want to go to the mall. And this brother grabs the keys, turns the ignition or sister and drives you to the mall. How many of you in your interview process is going to go to the DMV and look for the newest 16 year old that just got their driver's license and say, I want them to be my chauffeur? I don't. I get in trouble sometimes for using family examples. So I'm going to remove the, I'm going to keep the identity of this person anonymous, but their last name is Pleasant. So it could be Papa Pleasant. It could be Grandma Pleasant. It could be Jim Pleasant, Steph Pleasant, JJ Pleasant, or it could be my intermediate family. But there was a time where Pleasant sometimes will take things absolutely literal. And if you don't mean it literally, you have to identify this is an analogy. And so one of the Pleasants decided that they were going to get their driver's license and they were driving with another Pleasant and they got to a stoplight and the light was red and one Pleasant decided that they were going to turn right on red. And that other Pleasant said, you just ran a red light. Well, the former president that was driving the vehicle said, nope, you're allowed to turn on red at a red light. Well, they did not define that clearly. So the other president, when he finally got to drive alone, decided, I'm going to turn left on red. And he told the pleasant that taught him how to do the turning on red that these people were really getting angry with him, blowing the horn and giving unkind gestures towards his attempt to get where he was going while under the influence of a red light. 
And the other pleasant said, you can't do that. You can only turn certain directions on red. See, that's the kind of, you want somebody driving the treasure of your family and your resources like kids and grandkids as a chauffeur. You want them to have driven long enough to experience some things on the road, to have experience. So don't go following somebody that has been doing something for five minutes. Why don't you stand back and wait? And when they say, come follow me, say, brother, I'm going to be close enough to observe where you're going and see if you have the the, the intention fortitude to do it over time and if you can do it long enough I can have the confidence to follow you in it can somebody say amen because continuance is another little little uh, little uh, nugget continuance is the fruit of the legitimacy of the root I'm gonna say that one again continuance in something is the fruit of the legitimacy of the root that's why when you, when you walk up to a 200-year-old oak tree, you look at that 200-year-old oak tree and said, man, for the last 200 years, you have survived hurricane after hurricane after hurricane. It's called something in, on, on the, in, underneath the surface. Your root system is strong enough to maintain a storm. See, and Jesus was saying to them, if you continue in what you have the knowledge of me being your savior, then you will find freedom and not only find freedom in its infancy, but you will have the freedom indeed. And they get mad. Pride will always come to the surface eventually. They get mad and say, oh, we believe in who sent you and who you are, but let me set you straight. Now, think about this. They are just now saying, I believe you're the Messiah, but I'm going to set you straight. By the way, you messed up in your sermon just a minute ago because we've never been slaves. We don't have to be free because we were born free. And Jesus says, oh yeah? And I brought some props today. They're chains, shackles. And so if you will bear with me for just about 10 or 15 seconds, I'm going to put these things on. This is something T.D. Jakes would do. Because I really want to emphasize how crazy it was for somebody. Oh, man, that's hard. I've only been in these things one time in my life. I didn't like it then, and I don't like it now. Somebody say amen. I'm losing weight. That's why I had to get way up here. You say, not that much weight, go to the next one. <laughs> All right, there we go. And then these go on your wrist. I can preach like this, don't worry. Oh, I got to take my watch off. They don't let you have a watch in prison. They tell you they'll tell time for you. Anybody been there, they know. <laughs> That's the truth. This is what it looked like to Jesus. They were bragging in their position of living free. And he says, foolish, foolish people. You thought I was referring to you having dominance by somebody else, a king of another nation. In which you tell me that you've experienced the freedom because you are children of Abraham. And you were not part of the group that lived in Egypt. But I want you to know you're just as bound as they are by the taskmaster of sin. And he told them you are a slave to sin because sin is still prevalent in your life. And he says, but... I 
can answer you and say, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And you say, well, what's the difference, pastor? This is where it gets good. Because many of us think we're free because we have a knowledge of Jesus and a definition of Jesus and we certainly have a faith to believe we're not going to hell. But we can't hardly even experience the life abundantly described in John 10 and 10 because we still have some chains that we refuse to get rid of. And so we're walking around telling everybody we're free, but then when they look at our life as a testimony, they go, man, you got chains on, you don't even know it. You may not be going to hell, but you're delirious if you think you're free. But if you stay in his identity and stay there and continue in it long enough, then just to ask him to forgive you of your sins and make you heaven ready. If you'll make yourself available to the sanctifying process of his word, he wasn't telling them just to go read more scripture. He was telling them, if you abide in the words that I just told you about my identity, it will come true in the moment where identity meets with your circumstance. Let me tell you, let me tell you a, a story about freedom. This will make more sense. I wanted to get, come down there, but I'm a little bit afraid. I guess I could do it slowly. Hey, I rode a bike. I rode a bike downstairs in my 16 years. This is easy. Let's say that you say, well, pastor, give me some more definition about this freedom indeed. Bob, let's just say for a moment that me and you were residents of our local facilities of confinement. <laughs> yeah. And that you and I were cellmates. And we devised a plan that me and you were going to, we, we had these on, but we devised a plan that we wanted to be free. And we decided we we're going to escape. So we get our brother Jeremiah over here to help us. He's a guard and, you know, and, and we, we talk to him and say, hey, I want you to get Jody to bake a cake with a key in it. And you bring it to our cell and at night when they turn out all the lights, we're going to put the key in the door and open up the door and we're going to be free. And let's say just that it happens. It, Jody makes a great cake. The key's in there. Nobody x-rays it. They give it to us. We enjoy the cake. And then the lights go out and we enjoy the benefit of the key. And we take it to the door and we open the door of that prison cell and we walk out and we escape. We are freer than we were an hour ago. An hour ago, we were held by a six by nine. But now we're free, but we are not free indeed. Because the moment that we exit the facilities and we walk past the last barbed wire fence, not, not declaring freedom by those in authority, but declaring our own freedom, we got to live the rest of our lives looking over our shoulder, knowing that one day the cops are going to show up and take us back. And, and the enemy, what Jesus was telling them, is you thought you were free and you've acknowledged who I am, but there's still a taskmaster named sin chasing you down. And even though you believe in me right now, will you stay in it long enough to have me conquer sin? And then, he, then this is where it gets good. Then we have the perfect analogy. Remember when they were slaves? 400 years plus, 400, some theologians say 400 years, some say 430 years. And they experienced after 10 plagues, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit revealed the sovereignty of his capacity to the Pharaoh, the strongest man on earth. 
And after 10 plagues, he relents and says, let my people, let, let the, uh, get out of here. Moses has been telling him for 10 plagues, let my people go. He hadn't believed them. But finally, he relents and says, get out. And not only do you get out, but if you need some clothes, I'll give you clothes. If you need some money, I'll give you some money. Just get the, the heck out of Dodge. Y'all thought I was going to be ugly right there. <laughs> That's probably what he was thinking, but I'm not saying it. But then the Bible says that Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And he changed his mind. And he looked at the most powerful army in all of the world and said, go get them. Go bring them back. They've experienced freedom. They used to be slaves, but they've been walking towards the Red Sea. And everybody knows the story. The Red Sea's on that side. The army's on this side. And they're wondering what to do. And God reveals to Moses, hold up that staff. I can't hold it up very high. Hold up that staff. And what happens? He holds up the staff and what happens? Waters of the Red, what, the red Sea, right? I'm, I'm right in my geography. The waters of the Red Sea part. And what happens to the, the Israelites? They walk through. We got a middle aisle now. They walk, he, they walk through, they walk through the, the, uh, the Red Sea. But at the same time, you have to understand they're walking through only free. They're not free indeed. They still got some shackles. The pursuer's still coming. And then what happens? Then the army of the Egyptians come in. And then what happens to the Red Sea? It closes up. And for the first time, Donovan better get ready for something experiential here in a moment. For the first time in their lives, the Bible declares, Bob, if you will give me some assistance here. That's why they have guards right there. There you go. There's one. All right. We're going to make a break for it after this. Yes. The other way. There's two. Do you mind? There's three. Other, other way. There's four. I'll take the key. I need to get freedom from this key. And for the first time, Miriam grabs a timbrel and begins to worship and teach other women. We have a declaration for the first time in over 430 years. We don't have a pursuer anymore. The sea, the Red Sea crushed the ability of the greatest army on earth to pursue us any further. So we no longer have to look behind us expecting the moment where they come and get us again. But we sing a song about chains falling off and we wonder about why people get so emotional because there was a moment, if you go back to the text, that the text begins, there's coming a time where I will be lifted up. He was talking about the cross. And on that cross, he was going to pay a price. And the book of Hebrews declares there is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. But Jason, what color do you think that blood was when he was spiked on a tree held between heaven and earth where the Father is observing the, wonder, the most wonders of sacrifices of all mankind and his blood starts to stream down his arms from his head and touch the ground? What color do you think it was? 
What color is yours? Red. Oh my God. There's a second Red Sea that took away every sin that you've ever committed. And every pursuer that would ever say that, Jason, you may get free for a moment with your little knowledge of that church service, but there's a God in heaven that not only made you free because you felt something on one Sunday, but decided, I can conquer the law of sin and death for you once and for all. I'll crush it in the Red Sea of my blood and chains will start to fall down and you will experience for the first time in your life true freedom as free indeed. That's why I struggle sometimes. When somebody comes to me, and I know they have good intentions. You can play something for me, Amy. It'll remind me to stop. When they come to me and they say, Pastor, do you think we can dial down the emotion at City Gate? It's kind of raw in that place. And I understand. I really do at times because we can get a little raw. And I sometimes get tempted and contemplate. Should we clean this thing up a little bit? Should we sterilize it? And then passages of scripture hit me like Miriam. After 400 years... God did not deserve an observance of an army being crushed by the Red Sea and getting over there and go, thanks for that. No, the Spirit of God moved upon a woman and she got undignified for a moment. She grabbed a timbrel and said, hey, wait a minute, before we go on to the promised land, let's stop here and worship just a minute. Let's praise him for what he just did. And sometimes you may want a little more restraint. So do I. It would make me more comfortable. But when you realize that somebody has walked in here with chains of bondage and they realize that there is a God in heaven that can not only forgive them of their sins, but start taking off the chains of bondage and allowing them to live free, No wonder we have a little bounce in our step. No wonder we clap our hands and shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. No wonder we stop for a moment and say, had it not been for God, I wouldn't have made it this far. Can we contain the dance? Well, we may be able to contain them from running over you. But I never want to stop the dance because I don't know if at that moment that the Spirit of God is taking the key of the shackles of their life and letting them hit the floor and they are not hearing the music but they are hearing chains fall off of them and all of a sudden for the first time in their life they are experiencing something that is unbelievable. It's called being free indeed. I'm a little bit afraid of how to do the end of this service. This was my conclusion. Are you living in the definition of freedom? It's been paid for. But are you experiencing the free and being free indeed, continuing in his words? Freedom brings joys to the hearts of those who were once oppressed and should be celebrated. Wednesday. We will fire in the air 
fireworks that have cost people hundreds if not thousands of dollars. They will make loud noises and big bangs. And we will be celebrating the acknowledgement that we live in the most free land on earth. But how can we? There's moments of solemn uh, a quietness that we struggle with at CityGate. Sometimes we need to be quiet to hear the voice of God. But I don't think today is one of those solemn days. I will not let a firecracker declare with more authority my freedom as a citizen than I will knowing that I have freedom from the law of sin and death. I don't have to look over my shoulder no more. Drugs ain't coming to get me anymore. They've been long gone. My sins are not coming to get me anymore. They're not taking me back to my prison. I have a Jesus that didn't get me out from by me escaping prison. He was the governor. He was the president. He was the one that pardoned me and said open the door for him and let him walk out a free man. And I want somebody to join me in a moment of worship. I want somebody to declare the freedom of the one that is the most freeing, liberating God of all the universe. You may it may be so long you can't remember the chains falling off of you but will you go back to that moment will you go back to that moment where they just they just fell off when the enemy said you, you're, it's not going to last very long we're going to come get you but once and for all you said no no you can't get me because the blood of Jesus has conquered you Will you give me 10 minutes not to leave? Let's worship for five and let's see if somebody wants to get saved after we worship. So would you stand to your feet and they are going to lead us in a moment of worship. The authority of your freedom is in the authority of the name of Jesus. Father, we are so thankful. If I could have our ministry team move very quickly. Maybe you come in the door and you have some chains. Maybe you're even saved. But you've not taken some of the chains to the the one that has the authority to remove them. Maybe there's chains that need to be removed through the power of salvation. Maybe you come in here with a chain of sickness that has kept you from something, of experiencing the health, and maybe he can be a healer to you today. Maybe there's some struggles relationally that seem to always have you tethered. You seem to finally get past it, and then the enemy brings you back step by step. with every head bowed and every eye closed. I told you continuance in something is the fruit of the legitimacy of the root. People have been continuing to believe in Jesus for 2,000 years. Some of the people in this room have been walking in their faith for 30, 40, 50 years. He proves to be faithful time and time again. He is the deliverer. So if you need to experience real freedom, being free indeed, with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you raise your hand? No matter what it's from, I see these hands going up. Thank you.
I'm going to pray. And at the end of this prayer, just like you may be going somewhere to celebrate your independ- our independence as a nation Wednesday, I want, if you had your hand up, don't feel challenged by what other people are going to think. My goodness, freedom's worth more than that. When I pray and I say, man, I want you to get out of your seats and I want you to come forward. And these people have tried to prepare themselves throughout the week to pray with you in a moment just like this. Maybe today's the day you get healed. Maybe today's the day you get saved. Maybe today is the day that you finally break the cycle in your life or in your relationships. Finally, the chains come off. Father, right now, in the authority of the name that is above every other name, we have continued in that faith of believing in who you are for now nearly 2,000 years. And you were right. You said if we continue in the faith, if we endure, if we stand pat, if we stay tarrying in the position that you are the Son of God, that you can liberate us and set us free from the bondages of the laws of sin and death, where we can be free indeed. Father, you know what every hand was representing when they raised it. Some of them are already saved. They don't need salvation, but they need a freeing God that is going to deliver them from the chains of the things that seemingly have them bound. So Father, for every person that just raised their hand, I ask for confidence. I ask for courage. I ask for valor. That Father, that they're going to put aside what they may think other people may say or even think. Because it's simply not true. The moment they move, people are going to start giving an ovation. They're going to think the clapping is for them. But we know that we are clapping for who you are because we know that whatever chain they have coming down, they don't have to walk out of here with. So, Father, with the authority of the name of Jesus, let these things be so around our altars. And I give you the praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Let me offer the first invitation to the altar of anyone that had their hand raised. If you will simply just get out of your seat. If you will be there, they're coming from the balcony already. But they're coming from here now. Come on, let's give him an ovation of praise. Amen.